0: back to Glass Onion Minute. This is the movie by minute podcast where we break down the next installment of the Knives Out films, the Benoit Blanc mysteries, Glass Onion. We're going to do a one minute of screen time at a time. I'm your host for this week. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, but I'm begging you to call me Sully. My guest is... I'm Rick Ingham. Well, our minute here in Glass Onion starts with Benoit handing Helen a glass. Except maybe offer you some courage. And a reminder of why your sister walked away in the first place. with Helen dropping the glass. There's a lot of glass in this particular minute here. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a lot of use of glass in this particular film, which I find very intriguing, uh, including the use of glass for distortion. But, you know, the glass we see through this, there's it begins really with... The the last minute ended on such a defeated note that there was nothing Benoit could do for Helen, and then this minute perfectly starts with him handing the glass and reminding him why his why her, and reminding her why her sister walked away in the first place. Um, it's interesting in the framing uh, when she when Daniel Craig hands the the glass to her the the glass i don't know what sculpture it is is it a goose is it a swan or something is framed right in front of the the fight club painting of edward norton in the background so it looks like he's coming out of the water or like (laughs) something like that it's it's (laughs) peculiarly framed uh picture and i've and i've just gone to think that there is not one accident in the framing of any of these these pics but um this is but I don't want to lose sight of the the wonderful piece of acting by Daniel Craig at this point, because he goes from basically saying, you know, that's it. You've lost to very subtly doesn't sort of give a big grin or something, but just hands the glass over with a sense of encouragement, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're better than these people. And in reference to the previous minute where we just saw these people are willing, and by, by these people, I mean the Katherine Hahn character, Whiskey, the Leslie Oldham character, the, the the Kate Hudson character are all willing to ignore reality so they could be phony. He's reminding her, you're not phony even though she was phony because she was trying to be her sister. All these, you know, the different layers of what's going on here. (laughs) But by handing the glass was uh, uh, reminding her of her power in the situation, that she is a real person and they can't take that away from her.
1: Yeah. I, I also appreciate the fact that despite Benoit Blanc admitting that his hands are tied, that the same cannot be said for Helen, that she is surrounded by people who are used to bending the rules, playing outside of the polite laws of society to get what they want. And so he is handing over this glass with Helen's sister's name on it, Say, listen, these people don't want to play fair. In a way, that gives you permission to likewise not play fair. Like if they're going to start changing rules on you, you might as well change the rules on them. And I appreciate the fact that the glass does have Helen's sister's name on it because, you know, Andy's murder was the thing that got her involved in this first place. And uh, it's, it's a nice reminder. Everybody in that room kind of abandoned Andy after the big corporate takeover and that this is an opportunity for Helen to get true revenge for her sister. Right.
0: Right. And I think, the, and I I think you're right. And it's a sort of a, you know, don't you lose sight of the reason why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and also don't you lose sight of the fact that none of this is real.
1: Yeah. Including I really,
0: who, including who she was presenting herself to be.
1: Yeah. I really love the two front um, aspect to Benoit's lines because it's really the only spoken dialogue that we get in this minute because there's so much deliberate pacing, you know, saying, you know, here is, you know, my encouragement. Remember why your sister walked away in the first place. And I love the subtle little handoff. Mm -hmm. That if you're paying attention, the glass is not the only thing that Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc hands off to Janelle Bonet as Andy Brand. Or as Helen Brand. Sorry about that.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, she's, you're better than them. And you are going to win. Because you have the truth. And everything else here is, is, um... You know, everything else here is fake. And she looks back over at Edward Norton and immediately becomes emboldened. And there's a wonderful moment when she looks over and she walks past, you know, Leslie Owens in the background. She walks past Peg. Um, Catherine Hahn's head is still down. And then she walks behind the glass sculpture that kind of warps her. Like there's like a, creates that sort of, you know, distilling, of her, like it's almost a funhouse mirror effect as she's walking past. And when she comes out the other side of it, she's ready to confront him. And it's as if to say she, that was a moment of transformation from her that she's gone from victim to now she's on the aggression. And of course she's holding a glass and Edward Norton is holding a glass and keeps sort of saluting her. And they both take their big sips and she holds up the glass with her sister's name on it and drops it on the ground, um, which is the first step of... Of course, you realize this means war.
1: Yeah, the first shot fired.
0: Which... Literally, a sh- the first shot glass fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. There's one aspect to this scene that made me a little squirrely when I first watched it, and it's the mm. fact that Janelle Monet is wearing open-toed shoes. Yeah. You know, there's a going to be, in the minutes coming up ahead, and here at the end of uh, minute 87 here, a lot of broken glass just scattered along the floor. Um, big pieces, small pieces, uh, stuff that could do some real damage if you stepped on it wrong. And the fact that her shoes are open sandals like that. It makes me a little nervous the whole time watching it for the first time of, Oh no, someone's going to step on something and they're going to cut themselves. And it was not something that ruined the scene for me because the scene is so amazing to watch the progression of it. Uh, but it is one of those little things in the back of my mind where I was like, Oh boy, I hope they step carefully.
0: Well, it's also one of the things I think that, um, Yeah, we all these films you have to have a certain amount of suspend your disbelief. (laughs) You know, these are these are all highly stylized. You know, they they live in a kind of heightened reality. So I think sometimes you know there are little things that are done that it, you know, she's wearing those shoes because they look the best on her, not because they're the most practical. <laughs> uh, and this, and this whole scene would be much different if one of the shards of glass went into her toe and she started going, owie, 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 and start hopping up and down, you know, that's, a, it's a much different, uh, you know, it's a much different animal to, to have a, uh, um, you know, to, to try to go forward like that. But, uh, you know, um, I, I think that, uh, Yeah. I think that, that, that she's that that one of the things that is really, it becomes, uh, apparent when I, when I rewatched it is that you see her expression, her defeated expression turn like transforms into the confident expression after she walks past the glass sculpture. And what we see for the rest of the film, basically, is her in total control, and I'm, you know, in a sense of I'm going to destroy you, and I'm going to destroy all the everything phony that you are. And that's one of the things I loved about the ending of this film, and, and certainly the sequence is, she never says it. In fact, there's very little dialogue in this final scene. It's about it, there's a lot of show not there's a lot of show not tell in this mm-hmm. scene. And that she goes through each piece of art, you know, eventually. Well, actually at this point she I won't get it, I won't get ahead, but uh, you know, that you know, destroying the glass that uh, has her sister's name on it and knowing what you know what it meant, what the what the glass represented in this whole sequence and the and Dave Bautista's character, um it's a moment of it's a power grab, like she as if to say, you have everyone else, and everyone else is in the background out of focus. And so there's a, a moment of you don't have me and you never will because I see right through you because you, you know, like everything else here, you see through everything. That's the glass onion uh, metaphor.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And um, and with that, she, she's in total, she's just in total badass control and it turns so quickly. And it's one of the and again it's a thing that makes this film rewatchable. It's the film. It's the reason why a film like this doesn't have the ham fisted dialogue, but instead, um, you know, the, the character development is done through action and done through looks and done through expressions, as opposed to done through soliloquies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just shows that the, the, the power of the, you know, the, of, you know, really quality performers. And also let's, let's not, overlook uh you know Edward Norton obviously wonderful movie star you know multiple Oscar nominee who is very clearly having the time of his life playing this part and who has been kind of exposed as his character is actually not that smart and he he's just powerful he's not smart and so the looks that he gives of yeah I'm still in control I'm still in control of you I don't care if you're breaking that glass, uh, but we start to see his expressions when he starts to lose that power becomes, you know, funnier and funnier. In my opinion, there you go. Well, we um, go. look at—I don't know much much more I have on this particular minute. Uh, what about you? Any other thoughts before we move on to the uh, the the destruction of the glass?
1: No, I'm eager to get
0: on with it okay well look at well we're going to do that in the next minute but but, yeah this is just uh, you know we talked a little bit about why this movie series works and first of all I think it's going to be refreshing to have a movie series where you don't be like wait a minute why is that character there well if you saw the second film you know that they were there because they had this throwaway line okay yeah great all right fine easter egg easter egg easter egg okay fine easter egg easter egg easter egg Um, but uh, I like that it's like wobo is kind of eccentric that's all you really need to know let's let's enjoy the film and uh and it survives multiple viewing not for you know trying to catch all the fan service Easter eggs but to say hey does this you know does this puzzle work and uh i think it does i think it does remarkably well
1: yeah all right we'll tell
0: well, look it. you You were the host of a podcast of that covered uh, what I thought was the best film of the 2010s, which was Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by the way, a sequel that didn't really require you to see the other ones. It helped. It helped your enjoyment of it. But I know many people only saw Fury Road um, and uh, truly enjoyed it. Uh, I happen to be, as, as a child of the 80s, I saw The Road Warrior about seven hundred times on cable television, and every time I saw it, was like, there. You know, I was so skeptical when George Miller said he was doing another. I said, George, 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 just be happy with the fact you made this action masterpiece in The Road Warrior. Um, I mean, Thunderdome was okay, but there was no Road Warrior. And just, just you made this one miracle just just move on you've done other good films you've had an eclectic career just move on move on well, no need to no need to revisit it and then i was very late to the game for seeing fury road i didn't actually see it until it was like a big oscar nominee and i saw it in a theater that was practically empty near san jose um about like you know like about 4 weeks before the oscars so it must have been like february and it had been out for months and months and there was like only four or five other people in the theater and I didn't care. I I was like screaming and laughing and clapping and going nuts. It was like this is the building. I can't believe what My eyes are watching. And I didn't need a huge crowd to enjoy it. I was I was practically alone. And it was one of the most exhilarating experiences I've ever had in the movie theater. Yeah. And uh man, and uh I can't imagine what it'd be like to break that one down minute by minute. Not a lot of uh not a lot of downtime. I have to tell you this. It nothing to do with Knives Out Minute, but I'm talking to the host of the Mad Max. Um, a couple of, couple of um, Christmases ago, I was at my mother-in-law's home with my sons, and we were flipping around on TV, and Fury Road was on one of the channels, and we were watching it for a little bit. And you know, I had seen it several times, and my kids had seen it. And my mother-in-law sat down and was watching for a little while, and at one point she turned to me and said, this film's pretty violent. <laughs> and i was like you don't say betty <laughs> what, what what gave it away <laughs> what gave it away <laughs> all right but hey uh rick ingham thanks so much uh for being part of it uh uh and uh for fans of the show please please subscribe to our uh our Twitter handle, which is Glass Onion Min, all one word. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Well, how much more glass is going to be broken? Rick and I are going to figure that out. Glass Onion Minute.